Good evening. Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. I'm your host, John Landis. And uh, the Jam Session Radio Hour this week is a combination of a performance and an interview. The performance was part of our jazz night at the Masonic Hall in Sag Harbor, New York. Um, the Masonic Hall is the second floor of the uh, building where the the uh, Sag Harbor Whaling Museum is held right on Main Street in Sag Harbor. And every Tuesday night, we have the Jazz Night at the Masonic Hall from 7 to 9. And on this particular night, um, we featured uh, Eric Shugren on saxophone, tenor sax, Alex Levine on guitar, Iris Ornig on bass, and Clayus Brondahl on drums. And then we also got the chance to interview Eric Shugren about his career, which was fascinating. So we have a combination over the next two shows. This is the first of two shows uh, that include uh, an interview of Eric as well as um, uh, an edited portion of that performance, which is a combination of a concert, the first hour, and the second hour is a jam. So thank you for Raphael pull, uh, pulling all this together and giving us uh, two radio shows. This is the first, again, of two nights of uh, the Jazz Night from the Masonic Hall on May 17 and an interview of Eric Shugren. So let's go ahead and hear some of that interview now. Eric, how are you doing? Good, very good, well. Good, it's great to have you here. Um, just by way of a little bit more introduction, so Eric will be playing tonight. Who are you going to be playing with? Do you know, Eric? So we've got, we've got a quartet, uh, Clace, the drummer who puts together the bands each week. Um, and then on bass, we've got local Iris Hornig. And we have a guest on guitar named Alex Levine. And um, we have not had a chance to rehearse or play together yet, but we will tonight. When you say it's a guest, what do you mean? Uh, so this is not someone that you, you've so, played with before? Yeah, he's, he is not local, and you know we have not crossed paths yet. Mm -hmm. So this, okay. this will be our first chance to play together. And we've got, uh, uh, looking forward to it, we've got a couple of originals from... Uh, Iris and a couple of originals from Alex as well. Okay. Well, tell us quickly, and then we'll go back and circle back and get more information. But tell us quickly, like what you, what you play, what you do, where you play these days, and what's up with you as a musician. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, since we've got this this Masonic Temple thing set up, it's been nice to have a little bit of a home base on the on the East End. Um, the uh, pandemic obviously took a big toll on live music. So as the city opens up and as spring opens up, uh, things have been better and better in town. The, the uh, uh, requirements of masks and, and you know, lack, of, lack of being able to get together made it so that the only gigs for a while were outdoors. And that... Uh, made it so that come november it was a little difficult right and uh you know so we're it's coming back and your your career has been as a saxophone player yes and i am i am a saxophone player tenor and soprano primarily and um i compose and and do music production so just just give us a kind of a thumbnail sketch of your uh career where you started and uh where you've been okay um so i'm originally from berkeley california mm -hmm. And um, I started playing in 10th grade. I, I, I got curious because of some records, um, specifically Kind of Blue and a, and a Clifford Brown record. 
And it happened that at that time, jazz in, in the high schools was very prevalent. There were big bands everywhere. So you could, uh, as a relative beginner, get a chance to play. So that was, that was uh, high school, big band for a little while. And then I went to UCLA. When did you graduate and, from high school? Uh, 83. Okay. And 82. Yeah, 82. And, okay. and um, I went off to UCLA from there. Um, to do music? To do music, to mm -hmm. do the music program. And <clears throat> I lasted a couple years there and then, and then realized that, that I needed to learn. I wanted to play. And they didn't have uh, jazz harmony. So I left UCLA and went to Dick Grove School of Music in, in the San Fernando Valley. And that was a, a uh, specifically music school, unaccredited. So I had to go back to UCLA to get my degree. But Okay. Um, so you got a bachelor's by going back to... Yeah, by going back to UCLA. Right. But all of the musical knowledge came out of, came out of Dick Grove. And as soon as I finished, uh, I, I, ha I, had a, I had a session... <clears throat> with Eddie Marshall and and uh, Bruce Foreman in in San Francisco right after I graduated these are these are well known Eddie Marshall's a well known drummer out west and and Bruce Foreman runs the jazz program at USC now he's a great guitar player and <clears throat> so these guys we had a session and I had just finished school so and and school being essentially harmony and I uh, w went to the session and couldn't play a lick, because I had spent all my time learning learning the uh, the theory, and so I went home and, and had to had to knuckle down for a while, and that was the next. Uh, so, but that's a little confusing. So, um, hadn't you been jamming and playing with others while you're going to school? So when when the when I did a composition program in in school in order to to uh, get my my theory and harmony together. So, um, the uh, the the playing time was diminished considerably for study, and it was worth it in the long run. But uh -huh. <laughs> for, for, but that was a session that that eventually eventually you know it all came back around and it was fine. But but that was a a wake up, and and um, I went from. Uh, so my folks were in the Bay Area, and I was down in in L.A. for school and back and forth, and then. Um, after school, I stayed in L.A., went back to L.A. from from home and stayed there for the next long while and started working professionally. And that was that was the stretch of getting everything together. So and that um, was like playing in clubs and, and playing. Doing all that actually, stuff? it was playing in clubs, but it was mostly playing Latin jazz and salsa uh -huh. because that's the, that was the work for horn players. And and as the, the this the, is big in L.A. Or? Yeah, it was big in L.A. The, uh -huh. the salsa thing, cumbia thing. Right. Um, you know, this was it was a Chicano. You know, because of the Chicano community, there was there was a very um, active live music and dance. So uh -huh. so many of us, uh, many of many of the horn players uh, got their chops together playing salsa and Latin jazz, and um, and at the same time, uh, Billy Higgins had world stage in Lamert Park and that was the beginning of, of a of a young jazz musician uh, workshop a location place with Billy Higgins um, watching over us and, and getting us steered in the right direction. So yeah it was it was it was very special. It was really amazing. We had all you know Jackie McLean and Pharaoh Sanders and, and 
McCoy Tyner and mm-hmm. uh, everybody came through and hung out and, and spent time with the young guys. So it was a, it was a, a great, a great learning uh, and, the, and this, this what'd you call it again? It was um, the world stage, the world and it's stage. still going. There, they, you know, Billy died, and it went through some upheaval, but it's but it's going again. And um, they've got a new a new venue with a sound system, and um, you know, a nice piano and a larger space, and it's so it's. And so it's these active. are all these are all live events. Yes, all it's all poetry and spoken word and drum lessons and and jazz groups and it, you know it's a cultural center. Uh huh. So. And can you access it? Do they record the stuff? Can you access I it? I don't know. Actually, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think I think there was a stretch when they did, and certainly sometimes there'll be a there there will be a broadcast. But right. I you know after after moving east, um, I haven't kept track of much of that. And and really after Billy died, it changed quite a bit. So I I kind of stepped away. Um, you know the musicians. Uh, from that from that scene, uh, Willie Jones is in New York. He's in Brooklyn, and and there, you know there are a couple of people that were part of that scene. So mm-hmm. um, people that you still see or yeah, play with yeah, or have a chance to play with people you get to see now and then, and, uh-huh. and, and yeah, hang out with. So um, with the Latin stuff that was going on in L.A., so you're you know you said a lot of the horn players got to practice their chops when working with those people. So has what's how how has that evolved? Is that Gone? That's interesting. That that really went the way of pop music in in a certain sense. So the generation that 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 needed to have a band to play live cumbias and dance salsa gave way to the generation that listens to reggaeton and and DJ. So so a lot of the events um, became a uh, really became a DJ event, and a lot of the work dried up. On a certain level, but then there is still a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, sort of an, an oldies, there's an oldies culture there. And um, and so some of the guys are still doing bands that are, you know, that are playing, uh, I, would, I don't know what it would, I would call it the... Uh, um, yeah, it's 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 old rock and roll, but uh-huh. it's got a but it's got a little you know I don't know if you know who Freddie Fender and, uh-huh. and you know that kind of thing a right. little you know a little Chicano old old uh-huh. time rock and roll. So some of that. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where you know that's still going well, but but the the dance clubs are the are dance clubs DJs. are are pretty much all DJs at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. And same in New York City. There you know there's a couple there's still a couple of the of the salsa things going, but right. you know, but it's not the same as it was for a while. It's interesting when I think about musicians and how you got your careers develop. It's not like you go out and uh, at the outset to, you know, to perform in any particular place or places. You just like learn your music and you learn your instrument, right? And right. then you like hopefully there are places, but like the world changes, and yet you're like working on a career that's going to unfold over decades. Yeah, and and so and you have to adapt. You have to adapt, and you also you also. Uh, Either either you have a a path that that appeals enough to you that you're kind of going along on your own on your own track, or you're chasing work, and that's and there definitely two there's two different things there. So, um, you know the the uh, the one of the things that's amusing to come being in New York is that the musicians in New York get to play with each other at, at daytime sessions. And 
recording sessions. Uh, not recording, just just play, just yeah. play. They do just sessions, get together. Get together. And, not at and clubs. Not at clubs. Somebody's just, place. Yeah, somebody's place. <clears throat> and, and in New York, you can do you can do that in the daytime and then still do your gig in the evening because you can get around. In Los Angeles, you can't really do that. And so one of the one of the um, it's too far to get from point A to point B, and right. it's too hard to get people together. So so one of the side the one of the one of the the uh, results of that is uh, in L.A. people are are looking to get on a working band that will travel, whereas in New York people want to work around town and stay around town because they uh-huh. get to play with their friends. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a very different, huh. you know, it's kind of a different goal. Now I'm right. talking about jazz musicians because, right. because obviously, you know, if you're really pursuing a career with pop or with, um, you know, show music, then it's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Talk more about this distinction between you. So like either, either you're following a path based on your, I'm not sure how you said it, your music or your chasing work. Well, you know, for many people, the goal is to be professionally uh, employed at um, your instrument. And, and you're not doing it uh, because you hear something in particular. You know, you don't write music necessarily or, or um, you know, you're, you are being a journeyman musician on a particular instrument. And then for other people, you are uh, following a, a, you know, something that you that's self-generating so you know you 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 have a a goal whether it's whether it's a sound or um uh it's, it's kind of like an art a bit of yeah an artistic, like it's the art it, 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 it becomes an artistic vision mm-hmm. if, for lack of a better phrase but um but that's but that's a different path so right. you know and so people who play in the studios for example like if you're you know if you've made a career playing in studios a lot uh, or whatever, that would be more the character of someone who's like working with their instrument and getting a lot of work and doing that. Yeah. Maybe not quite the art. And and some of those people, you know, certainly some of the people who are, who have done a lot of studio work are also following a a path of writing their own music and creating their own music. It's not, it's not exclusive, but, um, but the the one of the things in Los Angeles is there's a huge amount of competition for um, for either studio work or, for example, film composing. Uh-huh. So the you know the number of people who are trying to do film composing there was a time when that meant literally learning how to compose and and having you know knowing how to how to write for strings and all of that. Now it's almost all done with with uh, sequencing. Of sounds, and it's a much different, much different game. Right. And um, and I would and I would not uh, I would not say that one is better than the other at uh-huh. all. I would just say that it's a different, different. game. Yeah, that's so yeah. fascinating. So, yeah. uh, given that distinction, although you say it, it, it blurs between the two, where where do you fall? I've always I've always had a I've always wanted to play jazz and wanted to play. I, I, you know, I've been I've been given the opportunity to sort of go along getting better at the thing that I like to do. And, and so, um, I, I, uh, have never been, um, convinced that, that, that the, emo- that the only thing in the world is the saxophone or the only thing in the world is one type of music. It's always, it's always been a, um, uh, a form of, 
uh, a path of discovery on on you know from different angles. Mm-hmm. So so I you know I think I think for me um, there's a there's a good part of this that is that is uh, artistic discovery, and there's a good part of it that is chasing after the you know the the feeling that I get when I listen to Coltrane, for example, mm-hmm. and and. You know, there there's a there are parts of all of that. Mm. You know.
Thank you for joining us. You're on WLIW-FM in Southampton, New York. That's 88.3 FM, uh, Long Island's only NPR station. Uh, Also heard at 96.9 as you go west and streaming at WLIW.org slash radio. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and we're listening to an interview of Eric Shugren and performances on the night of May 17th, 2022 at Jazz Night at the Masonic Hall in Sag Harbor. So given that uh, artistic path, has that worked out for you career-wise? I would say that the, that the career that, that I have at this point is, uh, has seen, how can I put this? Has seen, um, <laughs> um, uh, ups and downs. Uh, well, not so much ups and downs as, as zigzags. There's been some zigzags, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and, and I went along in Los Angeles for many years and had a great time. And then all of a sudden LA became untenable and it was hard to do anything. And it was hard to get together with people and it was hard to make money. And right about the same time, my wife, not wife then, um, was ready to leave Los Angeles as well. And her family are all in New York. So, so we, she a musician? so no, she, she is not, she used to own a gallery in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Um, and so we, we upped, we up, up and moved. And then in New York, all of a sudden, all of this stuff opened up and it was great. And there was, when there did you was, move to New York? When? Yeah. Uh, 2007, okay. right before the crash. Hmm. And, and it was fine. It, you know, it made it so that when we looked for an apartment, it was less expensive, but, hmm. um, you know, not, I don't know, we're, when, you know, musicians, you're already not, you're already just, just, just making, you know, just getting along. So mm-hmm. it was not a, it was not. Um, but you, so you, you were, uh, so you had a career in LA that was how long? I, I, 20? I, yeah, 20 years, 20, 20 years. years of playing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, um, and I, so, and so part of, of being in LA was, was recording and playing jazz. And part of it was the, in the beginning doing the, doing the Latin jazz and the, and the, um, salsa and cumbia and all that. And then, uh, I also had a partner there with whom I did, um, three, two or three, three soundtracks and, uh, um, you know, a, a bunch of music production, yeah. and so and so, you know, we were doing backing tracks for 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 new hip hop, and you know, a, mm-hmm. a bunch of different stuff, hmm. and um, and that fortunately uh, kicked back in a little bit during COVID. I, that that partner, Ed Brown the Third by name, um, uh, he and I continue to work. Is he out through, there? He's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stayed out there. And uh, what does he play? He plays piano. Mm-hmm. Great piano player, and he's also playing cello now, which is excellent. Cool. Um, but and yeah, records under the name Ed Brown, or yes, is, yeah. yes. <clears throat> and, um, and you've recorded with him. Well, you've done. Yeah, this yeah. I, actually, the, if if we get to this disc here, the the uh, the first cut is a record I did with him in '94. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, what record was that? That was called Silent Pearls, and that right. was that was my first uh, real, like full real CD. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, All recorded at the same place. Uh, yeah, it was recorded at Columbia Studios in Hollywood, and um, and that was that was a time when it was two inch tape. 
Mm-hmm. And and you know, '94 is right on the transition. Mm-hmm. I think I think they did. They recorded in two-inch tape, and then they they moved it over to a a, a, a DA88, and then did all the editing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you worked on? Did you say you worked on on film? Yeah, film we did. We did. For, uh, we did. Um, we did two children's films and one uh, one art film. And then um, parts for we did parts for a uh, for a feature film that was I believe I believe it was Dexter Story was the musical um, mm-hmm. uh, producer for that or you know the the, the so your ability that what you developed in theory and composition early on in harmony which right. you followed out right. has been. Uh, a consistent thread in your career. Yeah, I know that it was important to be able to to uh, write and understand, write you know compose, and understand what what's going on structurally when I wanted to be able to create things, mm-hmm. and, and that's um, you know one of the things of, of, that came with you know along with along with the theory and the harmony. Um, at, at Dick Grove, I did the I did a thing called composition for composition and and what the hell, I can't remember what it was called, but um, but that was uh, a different you, you you were given a different size orchestra and a different project every week. Wow! And we didn't have computers then, so you had to copy the parts by hand to hand out to all the musicians. Oh my God! It was a, it was, and it, you know there were never fewer than eighteen musicians. So I... you had a week to compose and prepare the score and the parts for all the musicians, and then get it out there. And it was a one year, one year program. So, so that, I guess that's what I meant by by running out of time for practice. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I wasn't playing a lot then. So I was how is that done now? When you, when you're like uh, oh now so, you know now you 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 have a uh, score program on the computer right and you lay out the score and then when you're when you like it well enough you you hit print and it prints the parts out. Uh huh. Do you still parts. do that? Oh yeah. Uh huh. And you'll do yeah. that for. I'll do that for you know I'll do that pretty much of, for I mean, bands of a different size. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so convenient at this point. I mean, it's if it's really simple, then it's easier to write it by hand. But but you know if it's. Uh, so tonight, for instance, here we are at the. Uh, okay, so tonight the, the parts Masonic that I've and so yeah the 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 jazz the, night. Um, the thing for tonight, we've got we were uh, we were. We, we passed around a couple of different charts, and all the charts were were uh, computer printed. So okay. in this case, there wasn't anything hand printed. I think I'm bringing so, things. So did you develop these charts? No, no. These are the ones from, from Iris and from Alex. Okay. And then, and then the, the tunes that I Alex brought. Alex being the, the guitar player. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the tunes that I brought were, were uh, uh, miscellaneous standard, or not standards, miscellaneous jazz tunes that were okay. already, already printed out. So, so when you said that Alex was the guest tonight, so I think we're also talking about a special guest because the way this works is there's a two hour, seven to nine is the, is the, is the performance, but seven to eight is the concert right. and eight to right. nine is the jam. Right. For those of you guys who haven't been here, so... Uh, but you're not the special guest tonight. You you come to play. Well, tonight um, tonight so you're special guest. I, we're we're all sharing the special guest. Iris <laughs> and Alex and I are the are the special okay. guests. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's uh, but if so in, in that case there's three. If there were one or two or let's just say one, usually that right. special guest would bring who if it's a horn player or a guitar player or whatever 
uh, would bring some originals or at least choose much of the material to, uh -huh. to play that night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And get that information around to you guys as the week Right, exactly, unfolds. exactly. Right. Exactly, yeah. Now, you've been special guest here already at uh, uh, Jazz Night at Masonic Temple, which started March 1st, 2022. But you also were special guest several times at Bay Burger. Yes, indeed. Right? And other, yeah. other venues. Yes, the Bay yeah. Burger. Yeah. <laughs> so just also to plug people in, because I know uh, most of you know, but some don't, the Bay Burger uh, had Thursday Night Jazz Night uh, jam session. And that eventually, uh, over eight, nine years, evolved to the point where we, we kind of followed the format that I just described, where the first hour would be a concert and the second hour would be a jam. And in the summertime, at a little Bay Burger, which, you know, could accommodate, I don't know, 60, 70 people inside, <laughs> there would be a lot of people outside. And then jammers going out the door, right, behind oh, the yeah. band, waiting for their yeah. chance to come in and jam. Yeah, that was it was quite a that was quite a spectacular jam. It was fun, and 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 there was a room for the kids, and it was uh -huh. great. that was great. The, the, you know, the this is a much more interesting uh, here at the Masonic Temple is a much more interesting space. It's a little like a like a uh, like one of the San Francisco music venues from 1968. Yeah, but like the Fillmore's. <laughs> exactly, like a little Fillmore. Yeah, but. Um, but the the Bay Burger has a special place in everybody's heart for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not for its acoustics. Not for the acoustics. But we all had fun. <clears throat> we at Bay Burger we had to have like the little foam things under underneath each folding chair uh, to dry, absorb some of the sound, and then like panels in the ceiling. So what makes this room a good room acoustically? I'm not sure. I think I think it's mostly just the high ceiling. Yeah. And and then having somewhat of a band shell shape in, at the back of the room.
Jam Session Radio Hour is supported by Bayard Fenwick as a sponsor and underwriter, as part of the Terry Cohen team located at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate. Bayard is well-versed in the residential real estate market from Bridgehampton to East Hampton to Amagansett to Montauk. Bayard believes there are three parts to the value of a property, land value, improvements made to the property, and an emotional component. You can reach Bayard Fenwick at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate at 631-324-7575. That's 631-324-7575. The Jam Session Radio Hour is also supported by Oza Sabbath Architects of Bridgehampton, New York. Oza Sabbath Architects both designs and builds homes, believing that a well-designed home suffuses our lives with the essential elements of balancing and recharging. Oza Sabbath Architects can be reached at ozasabbath.com. That's O-Z-A-S-A-B-B-E-T-H.com and at 631-808-3036. That's 631 808 3036. You're listening to uh, WLIW FM, the Jam Session Radio Hour. Uh, we are at uh, 88.3 FM on your dial out of Southampton, New York. Also 96.9 as you go west. And streaming at WLIW.org slash radio. So catch all of that. You can also hear our podcasts of past shows and interviews on the WLIW uh, website and other podcast platforms. And we're listening to an interview of Eric Shugren and performances on the night of May 17th, 2022 at Jazz Night at the Masonic Hall in Sag Harbor. Eric, you've played in this room three or four times. Yep. yep. Yeah, and you play both the Jam Session or the Jazz Night, but you've also played as... uh, the Elegant People. Yes, indeed. And what is Elegant People? So Elegant People is a is a quartet that is performing the music of uh, not just, but primarily Weather Report. And then also some Pat Metheny and um, the, the, uh, the impetus for this was during, during COVID, um, uh, the bass player. Randy. Randy. Right. Is it um, Randy Johnson? Randy. Randy. No, what's his last player. name? No, no, yeah. Anyway, so so the bass player. Um, we'll, we'll splice that in, dude. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, has a collection of vintage keyboards and and synthesizers. Oh. So so he and Fred Guild uh, got together and started working out some of the sounds from the old fusion records. And they were playing as a trio with Clay sometimes, and then they decided to try to put together the. Fred Gill is a keyboard player. Yes. Did you say yeah? Yeah, and they decided to try to put together. Randy Hudson. Randy Hudson, thank you. Um, try to put together a Weather Report band utilizing the sounds that are from that are literally from what Joe Zawinul was using back then. It's the same. He's got the same equipment, so he can he can mimic. Okay. Some of the same things. Okay. So, so that was the that was the original idea, and we got together during the pandemic in a cold, cold uh, room with with uh, plastic sheets between all of us and all kinds of COVID protocol, and played Where a few was times. This? this was in um, in Southampton, uh, uh, right over here in East Hampton. Okay, um, and had a ball. It was good. It was fun, and started getting it together, and then and then. Um, uh, recorded the group in 
the summer at the the Bay Street Theater, and then um, and that was and oh, that so was a radio yeah, show. That's recording we yeah, have. Yeah, that's, that's a podcast what, that, on exactly uh, Jam Session Radio Hour. And then uh, and then we started trying to work things out again this winter, this last winter, to to be able to play um, this year, and so we will be doing the we will be doing the uh, parish with that band on July 1st. Oh, good. And as part of the Hamptons Jazz as Fest. As part of the Hamptons Jazz Fest, and then possibly here at the Masonic somewhere in between. We'll ah. see. We'll see. So you're going to play literally in the Hamptons Jazz Fest schedule, you're going to play the night before Winton Marsalis Oh, really? South are they, are they coming out? July okay. 2nd. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the, and, the, and, and they'll clearly overshadow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. Uh, yeah, so the... So the um, you know, this last couple of summers, the Hamptons Jazz Fest has been really, really something. They've pulled pulled together some amazing things. Yes. Yeah. You know the the uh, the Ravi the Ravi Coltrane and and uh, Brandy the Younger yeah, in, the, in the fall yeah, September. Yeah, that was amazing. So, right. Um, there have been some good things. And did you get to play with elegant people? Part of last year's. No, we Jazz weren't. Fest? We weren't. We weren't. weren't re- we weren't yet. there yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was so you played more over this winter and yep. now you're, you're going to yep. do that and so who laid this idea on you of the weather report with the zavanal sounds and all that was so that- so those guys the um uh place called up and said we're trying we're doing this thing you want it you want to uh mm-hmm. you want to come come uh do wayne's part mm-hmm and I said, "Well, I'll do anything to get out of the house and play the horn." Because <laughs> by that time, by February of last year, not this, not this, but the, the year before, yeah. it was it was dismal. Right. So, um, yeah, you know. And, so um, now, having you know, gotten your feet wet as elegant people, how do you feel about the this idea and what's happening with it? Oh, it's a fun it's a fun thing to do. I mean, you know, um, there are a few things I would say that that you know the the weather report is definitely one of them. That and there are people who are also doing like John McLaughlin and and Ma Vishnu and you know there are people who are doing these things that require a fair amount of work in order just to get the arrangements together so that it so that it functions because. It's not like it's not like playing a standard out of the book where where you you can you know as long as as long as you're all playing the chord it works that there's a whole other level of compositional and mm-hmm. you know and it's it's much more complicated so um so it's a great exercise and then it's music that I particularly like it's actually some of the very first music I got into um you know in in I I I belonged to the Columbia Book and Record Club when I was 14. Awesome. And, and you know, you could get seven records for a penny or whatever right, that was, right. but then you had to pay <laughs> full full price for for the other seven or something. I don't remember. They they figured it out. But it was it was cool because I lived at that time I lived on Lopez Island in Washington state. Wow. And uh, and there was no record store. And it makes it, you know it makes these places look look big time. Uh-huh. So uh, so it would it would the records would arrive on you know at the mailbox in a nice little cardboard box. And, right. And and that was that was the uh, weather report and and uh, oh there were a bunch of things. I got my first Miles Davis record. Uh-huh. And, you know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, and then and then that community as well. That was an, that's another interesting thing. So that community. 
had enough musicians that had either Lopez Island, yeah, had either retired or were were hiding out for a minute. Um, Is that why you were up there? My dad was a commercial fisherman, so uh-huh. so so he. My mom lived in Berkeley, and my dad was up in up in uh, Puget Sound, and uh-huh. we would go up to Alaska every summer. And so that was that was home base was down in Puget Sound, and um, and that community had you know had all of these musicians that that uh, we'd get together and do do. So it was a, it was a great place in the very when I very first picked up a horn, you know I, I got a lot of help right out the mm, gate. Mm. And so it was, it was, a uh, you know, that's, and that's what, that, so I left there to go to the Bay area because I could play in a big band because I could actually get into, I could play with a, you know, with musicians. So. But that was before uh, the composition stuff. Oh, well before that's high school. That, yeah, that was, that was high, high school. school. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, yeah. what's the big band situation now? I mean, I really don't know. I know that they've cut funding so much for everything. It's, it's reassuring. Uh, Anybody that would fund this? Yeah, well, at least in California, you know, I mean, Uh at least in California. You know, there are are the bands that are perennially, um, Berkeley High School, you know, they have to, they put money into it, even if it's not from the state, because Mm -hmm. they've got, they've got a reputation and they've, Mm -hmm. they've got people coming through, you know, David Murray and and Joshua Redman, they all, all, a bunch of people are from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, and here it's reassuring that you know, for example, the Manitoc Kutchog School, the high school, seems to have a, a fairly large and and active band program. So, mm. you know, so it's not um, it's not gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's still going. Are you involved with that at all? I only only no, I'm not. I'm, I'm uh, um, uh, my daughter is is in school over there. She'll start next year in seventh grade, and okay. and so trying to convince her to to uh take up she played clarinet for a couple of years i'm mm-hmm. trying to convince her to take up drums or something mm-hmm. so she can do the jazz band mm. <laughs> is she interested when you play no she's <laughs> not she she is interested she's in, uh, she's, in she's in sixth grade and and it's very it's very interesting um that the music teacher there exposed them to some to some things that were different and she came home with uh um the, with John Cage and another uh, Mr. Crenshaw, I can't remember his mm-hmm. first name, um, written on her hand after after thinking that the that the class was interesting. Mm. <laughs> it's like this okay. is interesting music, when, right. you know, because yourself. it was very yeah mm-hmm. to remind herself when she got home to ask me about it and okay. and, and look it up on YouTube and you know. Right. So we spent it. We spent a, a couple hours going through John Cage and, and uh, awesome. And you know, it, it's very it's nice. It's nice when. If the, if the interest in the music itself doesn't rub off, at least the curiosity for you know the intellectual curiosity right. for for things that are interesting, right? <laughs> at least that came through. So right, yeah, no, it's good. Just so you know, the Jazz Night at Masonic Hall in Sag Harbor is produced by the Jam Session, uh, Jam Session Inc. Uh, in the Hamptons. We're a nonprofit uh, that does that on every Tuesday night, and we also put together the Hamptons Jazz Fest, which is going to be unfolding this summer. Well, thanks for joining us tonight on the first of two shows uh, featuring Eric Shugrin and uh, the uh, concert and jam that was held uh, jazz night um, at the Masonic Temple on uh, May 17. Uh, We want to thank uh, Silvano Monasterios for the use of his tune um, for our intro and outro. I want to thank uh, WLIW, of course, for giving us a platform to bring this to you. 
and uh, Rafael Alvarez for all the wonderful work that he does in putting all this together. I want to thank our underwriters, Oza Sabbath and Byard Fenwick III of Saunders. I want to thank all of you for joining us. Uh, please do so again. Uh, again, the following week, we'll have the second of these two shows of Eric Shugrin and that particular night of performance. So stay well, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, uh, and we'll catch you next time on the Jam Session Radio Hour. Good night. Thank you.